Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or creates thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest depths of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer, holistically after surgery, without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with Source so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most purposeful and joy-filled life now and enjoy the show. Thanks, everyone, for joining me again. I am really humbled and so appreciative of each of you that have taken the time to rate the show, drop your testimonials, slide into my DMs and my text. I am just reminded that I have won the friend lottery. Coming off of our last show with my guest, Alex Moscow, on The Secret to Lasting Love, I thought, what better way for us to follow that up than with The Secrets to Lasting Friendship? A couple months ago, I was in Austin and a friend drove a couple hours into town to visit with me. I hadn't seen her in a few years and we loosely kept in touch, but she was eager to catch up and I was interested in hearing how her life had changed since she hadn't really been seen or heard much since pre-pandemic times. And we sat down to eat. She very quickly let me know her intention for our meeting that day. And she started by saying to me, Mary, I have watched you for years. And the one thing you do so excellently is that you have great relationships. You have friendships with people from all walks of life and friends that you've had since you were a kid. How do you do it? Tell me how to be better at having lasting friendships because I don't feel like I'm very good at it. And I immediately loved this question because she's not wrong. And it brought me joy to be acknowledged for being someone who is good with relationships. And I wasn't kidding when I shared with you that I've won the friend lottery in life. Because I have friends all the way back from elementary school, junior high, high school, friends I've known intimately for over 30 years. I don't have any children. And someone once said to me, don't you regret not having kids? Because who's going to take care of you when you're old? And my answer to that is that I have an incredible community and network of people in my life that I know would welcome me with open arms at any time. And having kids doesn't guarantee me that kids are going to take care of me when I'm old. A community ensures that I have friends and I'm surrounded by joy and support, not just later, but throughout my entire life. If you haven't done a great job of nurturing friendships, then there's no better time to start than now. Community is the reason why people join religious organizations and masterminds and associations and clubs. When I had breast cancer, I had a community called the Breasties. That community was where I found other young women like me who could understand what I was going through. And that was so helpful. It was helpful to be in a community where people were so relatable and could really understand what I was going through and give me the right resources for what I was actually feeling. When times have been hard in business, I have groups of entrepreneurial friends who have seen me through to get me back on track. 
And when life is hard, I have friends who are there to listen and offer love and advice or just an ear to let me process out loud. Community is everything. And it's actually something all centenarians have in common. So take note because one of the secrets to a long life include having a great circle of community around you. And today, I want to share with you exactly what I do and have done for years to keep my own fantastic circle of friends. And I hope that this episode gives you at least one takeaway that helps you create deeper and more meaningful relationships in your own life, whether it's with one person or with a group of people who are important to you. I have tried my best to simplify these into three bite-sized quick lessons for you. So I hope you're hungry. Number one is be the friend you want to have. When I was 23, I moved to LA and I created a whole new life for myself that was post-college and I did it in this vibrant city that was always offering something to see, something to do and somewhere to go. And I reconnected with old friends and I made my fair share of new ones. LA is one of those cities where most of the people there are transplants. People come from far and wide to pursue their dream of acting or singing or some form of entertainment. I was always so surprised when people would say to me that they're having a hard time making friends because this is a city full of strangers and I couldn't figure out how people weren't naturally finding each other since everyone was basically showing up friendless. What better way to reconnect than to be like, hey, you're probably not from here and I'm not from here. Let's be friends. I did have old friends in the area because LA was just an hour outside of where I was being raised in my late childhood, but I also managed to make a lot of new friends too. I would go to cooking classes and karaoke bars. I would go on hikes and join meetups to play volleyball or networking events. And when I meet a person, I also don't assume how long they're going to be in my life. I try to treat people with genuine interest and look for ways that we can connect. And I'm also willing to put myself out there. If you're someone who doesn't have any friends, then this is your opportunity to show up like the person you want to attract. You might be saying to me, Mary, I am so introverted and the idea of talking to a stranger makes me super anxious. And to you, I say, this is a fantastic time to realize that you are not the only person walking around the world feeling this way. Your feelings are completely valid and I get it. I get it that it can feel uncomfortable to talk or walk up to a stranger. And if you keep walking around saying nothing, then that's also what's going to happen. Nothing. So put it on a t-shirt or figure out how to put yourself in a room of strangers and remind yourself that pretty much everyone is probably looking for a friend in that room. If you show up to one of these networking events, if you show up to one of these meetups, know that those people have already raised their hand and said, I want to meet people. There are apps today for making friends. A lot of the dating apps have an option for making friends. You can even put on there, hey, I am actually looking for a friend before I'm looking for a lover. I'm looking for a friend before I'm looking for a life partner. Those are such beautiful, beautiful places to start. And all the people that you might be looking for could be in a meetup or a networking event or a party or a community event or a class. They are just waiting for you to show up, number one, and number two, for you to say hello. So when we work on connecting, whether that is a smile, a high five, a hug, or a conversation, we allow that door to open. The opening statement that works great here is, hi, my name is... And I'm here to make new friends and play some volleyball. What's your name? 
If that works out, you keep talking and the conversation can continue to happen and there's no harm done. Also, if there is no further conversation, look, you end up leaving that event, maybe without any brand new friends, but I bet you still got to pat yourself on the back for giving it a try and you work out your new opening line and you get to try that at the next thing or you come back to play volleyball again and get more familiar with the people and create those pockets of familiarity so that you can make some new friends. If you allow yourself to be open and accepting, I believe that others will pick up on that. It's that open energy that allows us to attract what we want. 23 years ago, I walked into a Valentine's Day cooking event and it was put on by a local online dating service. And this was very early in the online dating scene, y'all. At this particular event, there were seven girls and seven guys. I ended up making friends with actually a girl and getting an invitation to a party from a guy. That girl and I became great friends. And she really showed me around LA. Eventually, she introduces me to her sister, Christian, who happens to be similar age. And Christian and I become the very best of friends. Christian is one of those people in my life who is like a sister to me. We are still very active friends to this day. We text, we Facebook, we still laugh about all the shenanigans that we got into in our 20s and have a grand history of stories and adventures. And it's those meaningful relationships that sometimes come to you in the most interesting ways. And part of it was just putting myself out there. When I was in grade school, I went to a very Caucasian school in the middle of a tiny Texas town, and there were literally two Asian kids in that elementary school, and I was 50% of that statistic. I must have been about seven or eight years old at the time, and after school, I usually walked home. One day, as I made my way outside, I noticed a little Asian girl waiting for her ride, and I stopped to talk to her, and I think I was just happy to see someone else who kind of looked like me. Her name was Lee. And over time, her and I became friends, and this became our daily ritual during the school week to stop, chat before she would get picked up and before I would start my walk home. And I don't remember how many interactions or how much time went by. I would guess a few months because initially I know I was walking to school, and then at some point I transitioned to having a bicycle. And it was then the time that I had this bicycle and I was biking down my street that I wasn't even five houses down from my own house when I saw Lee walking out of her front door to get into her car. And you can imagine the surprise on both of our faces as I'm biking by and seeing her and she is seeing me. And in that moment, we realize we literally live on the same street and we've been living on the same street this entire time. This became a huge blessing to me because as a kid, we started hanging out all the time and she was like a sister for me growing up. As our friendship deepened, we spent more time together. I was a kid who was home alone, a working single mother, and at the time, this gave me companionship, and I could also catch a ride to school and back. I didn't have to walk anymore. Her mom would actually make me these awesome Vietnamese breakfast sandwiches of ham and egg called banh mi. We would play Barbie dolls together, and I would end up actually teaching her how to ride a bike eventually so that we could ride around the neighborhood together during playtime. It was the enrichment that I needed in my life. And culturally, it was really fantastic because I still got to be so in touch with my Asian roots. And I think that that was a really beautiful part of growing up and not being disconnected. It was a way of finding community right where I was at. When I was 11, I ended up moving away to California. 
And the next few years, I would see her periodically when I came home for a holiday. By the time we got to high school, we weren't really in touch anymore. So flash forward to my very first marriage. I'm 22 years old and living back in Texas in the Dallas area. I get a phone call from my mom telling me that Lee has reached out to her to say hello and to catch up and also happens to be living in the Dallas area now. So you can imagine my surprise. What are the chances that we have this gap of time? We end up going our own way and yet grow up to live only blocks away, you guys. I reconnected with her over the phone and literally she lived a few blocks away from me, basically in the same suburban area where I was living. And since that day, we've remained such good friends and I've gotten to see her through dating, getting married, raising kids, creating a career, navigating life. And she's seen me through dating, getting married, getting divorced, creating a career and navigating life. And we get to see each other a few times a year. We have girls' nights and sleepovers, and it's so much fun to have history and also a special fondness for knowing each other at such an early stage of life to also literally grow up together. My joke with people is that I have a lot of friends I've known since we were virgins, and it always gets a laugh, but it's true. We were all just young and figuring out life and being nurtured and developed into the adult humans that we were going to show up and be in and grow up and play in this world, you know, at a later time. So most importantly, what I want you to notice is that just because her and I did lose touch for a few years, it didn't hinder our ability to reconnect quickly and to pick right back up where we left off because the foundation of our relationship was solid. When I met her that day in the schoolyard, I just wanted to make a friend and so did she. When we reconnected after losing touch, it was easy to play catch up and then just resume a new chapter of our friendship. And I think this is what good relationships can do for you. They forgive the gaps of time or pay no attention to the gaps that might show up. Good relationships are built on a foundation of trust and respect and also not taking offense. We weren't offended that there was some missing space in our time of friendship. All these years later, we have technology that can help us stay in touch easier easier than it's ever been before. So it certainly helps fill the gaps easier. If we were to go another year or two right now without talking or seeing each other, I have no doubt that her and I would also be able to pick right back up where we left off. Friendship should mean that you can live your life and they can live theirs without the need to be attached to every moment of each other's life. And this leads us to secret number two, which is don't be attached to the outcome. One thing that's really helped me in creating fast friendships is that I'm not attached to the outcome. I understand that people come into our lives for a season. Other times they come for all the seasons. And all the seasons are those friendships that withstand the test of time. Seasons are those friendships that can come in to teach us as a lesson or provide us with experiences for a short time. And dating is such a great example of how seasons can come and go and how they can come and go quickly sometimes. Other times, those seasons can also feel like forever. But through this process, I've learned to create an openness that says, I'm interested in you, but I'm not dependent on you. For example, let's say you're a 30-year-old single person and you're really focused on having a baby and a family by 32. Then it's very possible that when you show up to your dates, you have this energy of urgency that's screaming, I have to find my person now because I want to have a baby within the next two years. 
And when you put that kind of pressure on yourself, it's also highly likely that your date is going to also feel the crushing pressure of this expectation on how you handle yourself in the early stages of this dating process. And they may not be prepared for it. If they are prepared for it, then maybe you're perfectly aligned. But if they're not prepared for it, that can be scary for the other person. And it's also different than approaching it from an angle that says, hey, I'm open. I want to find my person and I want to make some babies. But finding the right aligned person is actually more important to my long-term happiness and your long-term happiness. So let's pump the brakes for a second, especially when it comes to that deep, crushing urgency energy. One of the ways that I loved to show up to dates, and I've started doing it again, and I also love this because it takes the pressure off of everyone. You can do this even in friendships, obviously, with a slight reframe of how you're going to say this sentence. But the phrase goes, hey, date, I want to take all the pressure off of this, and I want to focus on being friends and see where it goes. I don't have any expectations of this needing to be anything. Although I hope that it could be something and I'm really looking forward to just knowing more about you. And the typical response that I get is I watch their body relax. I watch their shoulders drop. I watch their brow unfurl because their nervous system goes, oh, it's safe to just show up and not be too nervous and just be myself because I'm showing up and saying, hey, I don't need there to be a ring in your pocket right now. Let's take this one step at a time. When I was in my late 20s, I met a guy named Ron and we ended up becoming really close friends. He was one of my best friends during a time in my life where I was swearing off romance, mending a broken heart. And we must have spent five out of seven days together for months upon months. And one day, Ron stopped returning my calls and text. It was literally as if he had died. As a matter of fact, I was concerned that that was what had happened, but he wasn't dead. He was just non-responsive. And my first thought to myself was to ask myself, did I do something to offend him or did I do something wrong? And I soul searched that and came up with, no, I can't think of anything, not even the smallest infraction. I was really confused. I was a little bit hurt and I couldn't understand how someone I had just been so close to and shared so much time with could literally just fall off of the face of the earth with no explanation. Weeks went by and I stopped trying to reach out finally. I actually found some videos I had borrowed from him and I placed them in an envelope along with a note and sent them on to his place. And in the note I wrote, I miss our friendship. And if I have offended you in some way, I would love the opportunity to talk about it. But also, if this is the end of our time together, then I'm gonna respect your decision. And I want you to know that I have appreciated what we've had and I'm going to cherish every memory and I love you. And with that, I sent off that package with a lot of love and surrender. I just had to surrender to not knowing why things had ended. Not all friendships last, but all of them definitely have something to show us. And for me, Ron was a consistent friend who didn't want anything from me other than my friendship. We had great conversations. We enjoyed each other's company until it was just over. He was also exactly what I needed in my life at the time. And his friendship helped me through a really crazy time in my life. I could tell you that the story ends there, but actually it doesn't. About six months later, I get a text out of the blue from Ron. And it's the same old Ron that I was used to. 
It was as if no time had passed at all, and he was asking to see me. And just like that, I knew that I was soon going to find out why he went MIA on me. But then I actually, I actually didn't care. I was just glad that he was reaching out again, and I was hopeful that we could be friends again. He said that one thing he appreciated most about me was that even though he ghosted me, I still bothered to send back his videos. And I wrote him that really nice note. And it turns out what was happening is he was in his own shame spiral over a situation that made him want to shut out the world. And that world, unfortunately, included me. Through his own months of processing, he came out of his funk, found my note, and it prompted him to reach out and apologize and explain what happened. And just like that, we were friends again. I'll also say that my friendship with Ron taught me that when people do disappear or act out of character, it's not usually about you. It's usually about them. In my story about Ron, how he left our friendship had zero to do with me and everything to do with his internal world. I am so reminded that secret number one, be the friend you want to have, is how I still showed up despite how he wasn't showing up and despite the fact that I didn't know what happened. I didn't create stories about why he decided to end our friendship. I simply thanked God for the fact that I got to enjoy it for a season and I trusted that things would work out. Not being attached to an outcome with Ron or for anyone for that matter has really allowed me to actually dive in deep with each person. Some of you might think, how does that let you dive deep? Doesn't that make you go, oh, this person may not be around for a long time? That may be true. But the truth is we don't know how long we have in general, whether it's us with someone or someone with us. That brings me into secret number three, which is create energetic intimacy that says, I care about you and I mean it. I do my best to talk to people like I am going to know them forever, fully knowing that I might not know them forever. I want to know all the details of their life. I want to know what makes them tick and what brings them joy. I want to discover their love language and speak it fluently. If you've ever been on the receiving end of someone who knows how to love on you, who knows how to be the friend that you need, then you know how good it feels to be seen. Seen for who you are, both the shiny and not so shiny parts, and know that they're still around. When we can see people authentically, we allow relationships to deepen and that depth builds trust. It can be in the small things like recalling that they like cats and sending off a silly cat meme, or it can be not taking offense easily and seeking to understand that what we see on the outside doesn't always mean we know what's happening on the inside. There is a really great book called Attached, and it's written by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. This book explains a science called adult attachment styles. Basically, the gist is that there's a variety of attachment styles that we each develop in the first formative years of our lives, and these attachment styles show up as patterns for how we show up in relationships. This book is a very easy read. It's super insightful to be able to understand and identify what kind of attachment style someone is operating by, and even more importantly, what attachment style you bring into relationships. It solves a lot of the mystery behind why we act the way we do and how to recognize it and see it in others. Maybe you or someone you know is good at finding great partners, but once that partner gets close, they tend to push them away. Or maybe that's you. 
Oftentimes, the characteristics of this person are going to be that they are insecure in relationships. They have a hard time trusting others and tend to sabotage their situation. This is someone who the book would label as being anxiously attached. So when someone is anxiously attached, one of the best ways to love on them is not to further push them away, but rather to pull them in and create safety for them and not give up on them so soon. They usually need a little extra love, a little extra nudge. I think we all have those friends in our lives that we know need that little extra nudge from us. And that's how it goes. Some friendships need more nurturing than others. Some are in easy chemistry from the start. Being quick to forgive and letting the ego die a few deaths will always yield more peace with others and create more harmony in your relationships. In a world of marketing and fake news, people are craving authenticity and something real. So be a friend that's real and remember that something as simple as kindness goes a really long way. When you can learn to care for a stranger and expect nothing in return, you will never be without friends. I'm going to say that again. When you can learn to care for a stranger and expect nothing in return, you'll never be without friends. So. Today's quick recap of the three secrets to lasting friendship. Number one, be the friend you want to have. Number two, don't be attached to the outcome. And number three, care about others and mean it. Lastly, I will leave you with some action items you can start doing right now to nurture and strengthen the relationships in your life. One of them is every day. I connect with at least three people in my life. It's literally the easiest thing to do once you get into the habit of it. So every day I either text, call, DM on social, or write out a card to three different people in my life. I tell them I'm thinking about them. I send them love and sometimes I just say hello. Sometimes that's all people need to see to be reminded that they have a friend in this world. For those of you with bigger audiences that you want to create intimacy with and you don't know how to do that on a larger scale, I actually suggest that you write out a very personal birthday message. One you actually write, one you actually feel, and then have your VA or your automations send that to your contact on their birthday because this is typically at least the one time people are gonna open a message without hesitation. I've been doing this for years and I can't tell you how many times someone replies back telling me how much it made their day or how much my message meant to them. In some cases, I am the only person that wished them a happy birthday that day. So if you've ever received a birthday message from me, you know they are packed with love and care, which is the spirit in which they are sent. There's a beautiful project and it's called thehumanlibrary.org. I encourage all of you to go check it out. It was actually started in Denmark. The US has only recently started adopting the concept and Instead of checking out a book, it lets you check out a person and how that works is someone homeless or a veteran or someone with bipolar disorder. There's all these different ranges of folks. You can actually sit and talk to them and hear their story and ask questions. And this creates a beautiful opportunity for human connection and to also sit with someone and recognize that we may be seeing or judging what's on the outside. And that's not always what's going on on the inside or not what brought them to their circumstance. Caring about people, it starts with the ability to let go of judgment and just let others be who they are. 
As a side note, since we are talking about the human library ever so briefly, I did recently ask Alexa, where can I find high quality men to date? And her answer to me was the library. So if you try that out, let me know if it's true. If you try out the human library, I would love to hear your stories because I think it is a remarkable movement. And I can't wait to see this spread across all of North America and beyond because it's such a valuable and beautiful way to create human connections. And what a great way for those of you who might also need some practice making friends, having conversation to go to a place where people are ready to have conversations, to learn something new about someone and to practice the art of connecting. Also, I encourage you to think of at least three people that you would love to reconnect with right now. Shoot them over a message, give them a call, pop in a reminder in your task list or set a daily reminder to reconnect with the people in your life who are important to you. Sit down once a week and write out some handwritten notes or text messages. Relationships, they are like a beautiful garden. They need to be nurtured and there are small ways you can make a big impact to keep those connections. I am wishing you a life filled with beautiful friendships and relationships that give you a community of support and love. So join us back here next week. Thank you again for listening. I hope that this episode meets you where you're at and helps you really, really nurture beautiful relationships. Join us back here next week. My special guest on the show is going to be Amber Valdez. She is a spiritual luminary, and we are going to be talking about what it means to be a light worker and manifest what you desire in this life. Until then, may abundance always walk beside you. May joy always go before you. And may love always guide you on your path. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me at www.maryd.com. That's M-A-R-Y-D-E-E.com. Follow and like us at Facebook or Instagram at the Mary D. That's the T-H-E Mary D. M-A-R-Y-D-E-E. 